Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. I think the CW are just trying to win the time slot war with Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Oh, oh no. Yeah. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and since my usual co-host Morgan is currently enjoying her honeymoon after recently getting married, I am joined by Tyler Patrick, who is the host of Krypton Report, the All Things Kryptonian podcast, to discuss and review the Supergirl Season 6 episode titled Dreamweaver. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, Tyler. Thank you for uh, being with me for this episode. Oh, no problem. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm glad to be here. <clears throat> it's always awesome to talk to other people who podcast and talk about these things um, almost religiously because then you <laughs> feel like I'm not alone. <laughs> and it's yes. just, it's nice to uh, to be a part of it. Like I just it's it's cool to bring a new voice and hear someone else's opinion. Plus, you know, I, I listen to your show, so it's like it's you know, your show's one of those shows where like you're listening to it and you're like, Oh, I yes. Uh, like you're like, wait, I'm talking out loud to people who can't hear me. Now I get <laughs> I did, to talk I out loud and you hear me. So <laughs> it's cool to be here. Thank you. Well, uh, we're always looking for new voices on the podcast and uh, meeting other Superman, Supergirl fans. And clearly, uh, given your background in your video, you are definitely a Superman, uh, <laughs> Supergirl fan. So uh, I'm excited to hear your thoughts about uh, the show. But before we get talking about this week's episode of Supergirl, uh, here at Supergirl Radio, we like to ask people uh, when they first uh, come on to Supergirl Radio, where they met the character of Supergirl. So do you remember the first time you ever heard or saw the character of Supergirl? I do. And it's kind of, it's really interesting because uh, I just remember being at my grandma's house and my cousin was watching Supergirl, the movie. And I, I, I can't tell you what part it was. I just remember seeing her fly and seeing her land and thinking, Oh, there's a Supergirl," And I had to be, I don't know, five, six, maybe. Um, and that kind of stayed with me. And of course, I never saw the movie for the longest time because I couldn't find it to rent or whatever. And then, of course, when uh, the animated series came about, you had Supergirl in there. And that really helped cement it because I did have like a couple of comics that had the protoplasm Supergirl. Yes. That I, that I didn't quite understand exactly what <laughs> and who it was at the time. It is confusing. Um, uh, so it was really weird. But then, you know, as your comic reading grows, you learn. But I think. Um, what really helped was just reading back stuff and then, you know, learning and, you know, we didn't have these fancy things like the internet <laughs> and <laughs> all this. And it's so crazy to talk about, like, you know, you find old comics and then I felt like I really got to know Kara, um, more as the Jeff Loeb run came about where, you know, they reintroduced it as the whole, they made the film version of, uh, 
Batman Superman Apocalypse. I was like, this is more like what, you know, then going back over time. And then we had, you know, Smallville, the series that introduced a version. And I have a quick question for you. Okay. Real yeah. Quick. Is it Kara or Kara? Uh, it depends on what you're uh, what you're watching. So Supergirl, the movie is Kara. Uh, Superman, the animated series is Kara. Smallville is Kara. Supergirl, the TV series on the CW is Kara. I'm trying to think of some of the other different variations, but it just uh, depends on <laughs> which one you're watching. So I, do you I mean, have, I, do you have a preference? Uh, you know, I don't. Um, it's it's weird because I've start I've used them interchangeably. But then, of course, when I'm reviewing the show, it's Kara. And then if I'm talking about, you know, the performance on Smallville, it's Kara. Yeah, uh, I do. I do that, too. It's just one of those things where you're like, it's the pronunciation. Um, hi, everybody, since I can't comment on the <laughs> things. But, um, yeah, it's just one of those things that makes me kind of stand out and be like, hmm, what's personal? Because there's some words that people pronounce, like, for, for example, Wonder Woman's mom is Hippolyta. Right. I've heard yes. people say Hippolyta. I've heard just, that too. It's one of those that I'm like, <clears throat> but I understand. Like it's a pronunciation and like it's not wrong, but to me it's one of those like <clears throat> but the car care <laughs> thing is just kind of personal, interchangeable. Yeah, I go with whatever. Uh, if I'm talking about Smallville, I'll call her Kara. If I'm talking about uh, Supergirl the movie, I'll call her Kara. So I try to stick with the pronunciation that they uh, give uh, in whatever I'm talking about. So that's that's my approach to it. But, uh, you know, you can, you can call her whatever you you feel like it, I guess. Um, but uh, so thank you for sharing uh, your your history with Supergirl. So that's that's really cool that uh, Helen Slater was my first Supergirl, too. So uh, it's good. To, it's good to know somebody else who connected with that movie as a, as a youngster. All right. Well, we do have some news uh, uh, to talk about this week. So I guess we should go ahead and uh, get to the news. DC Fandom is actually going to be returning this year. We're going to get another round of DC Fandom. It uh, originally started in uh, the year of the pandemic, 2020. I guess we're still kind of in it. Uh, DC Fandom came out of the pandemic, so it's going to be coming back this year. Uh, but unlike last year, unlike the first time around, it's only going to be for one day. Of course, they said that in 2020 and then it became two days but for right now let's go with this news dc fandom will be returning this year for one day only on october 16th starting at 1 p.m eastern where dc comics will showcase its biggest movies games shows comics and more as far as dc tv goes warner brothers television will offer a look at new seasons of batwoman the flash superman and lois and sweet tooth and uh will include a farewell tribute to supergirl as it approaches its epic conclusion after six seasons it will also have a celebration of 100 episodes of dc's legends of tomorrow a first look at forthcoming new drama naomi and a sneak peek at an upcoming episode of dc's star girl so uh what do you think about uh dc fandom coming back tyler did you get to experience it the first time around i uh took the day off <laughs> the mother-in-law took the kids and i basically just sat in my superman outfit and hung out in the living room all day with my wife uh, while I, you know, message people and everything. What I really love about fandom is it is online. It's streaming. And it just felt like this giant collection where all DC fans got together. Yeah. And we're sharing things and talking together, uh, retweeting, messaging, whatever. Like it was like this global connection 
that we are all sharing at the same time. Uh, and you don't get that a lot in cons and stuff because you can't always go to the con or you're not there. And this just felt like something special for us. And I think that it's something great that DC, DC should do every year going forward. Right. Um, I do think it should be two days. Um, and it should be a mixture like last time they did like all the film and movie and TV stuff one day. And then they spread out another month and did all the comic stuff. And it felt like the hype for the comics one went down. Yeah. I really think they should have it as a weekend and have everything intermingled. Um, kind of like most cons are two day events, you know, that way, uh, you know, cause I, I find a lot of the, the panels, of the comics, you know, fascinating. I think more people might too. <laughs> good one, Paula. Good one. Paula B. I love it. Um, if you did something like that, you know, so. Yeah, I agree. I think it should, if, if they're going to do it multiple days, they should do it, you know, like a, like a Saturday and Sunday or something like that. Cause uh, I think this time around, it's only going to be a four hours long is something that I read. Uh, Some, I was thinking it was like is, one to six, but I, I don't know with time zone stuff. Sometimes I get confused, which, um, which is, which is much shorter than the first time around. They, they did end up doing two days. Uh, and then the first time around, I think it was like a 12 hour thing, if I remember correctly, because it it looped back and went around. Yep. So it seems to be like it's going to be much shorter uh, this time, which is a little disappointing for me. Um, and also, uh, there's not going to be any interactive things. I, I I enjoyed the second DC Fandom day than the first one, just because you could do all these fun things like learn how to draw characters and play games and try to get out of that Joker escape room, which I failed every time. That's, <laughs> that's why I think it'd be great to just keep it alive and mingle the two days and activities together. Um, it is interesting how the poster, like I was talking with someone, a lot of people didn't like the poster. And like I said, is what's interesting is everyone in the poster is like the current now of the character yeah. or it's like what's happening at this moment. Um, so, you know, even characters like Harley, the next big Harley thing is going to be in the video game. So that's the Harley that's represented. Um it's kind of like what they're trying to sell, quote unquote, but like it's the what's now, what's new versions of the characters. Yeah. And uh, I think we as fans, we have to remember that as much fun as this is for us, this is for DC. This is a marketing tool. This is, oh, yeah. this, is this is a way to sell their their products and the things that they're doing. So so when they do posters like that, that is what they're thinking about. They are thinking about what can we promote next. Uh, but it is good uh, for Supergirl fans. We are going to get some kind of um, farewell to a Supergirl. And I think I also read that Melissa Benoist would be uh, connected to it. So I don't know if she's hosting it or she's going to be in it i don't know but it seems like she's going to be part of it so that's very exciting for me personally um because i've i've felt like it and i think most supergirl fans feel like this uh that they uh the cw has not done a great job of making the final season of supergirl a momentous occasion a very big deal so at least with it, dc fandom we're getting something like that it just feels like um with the pandemic and stuff like the way everything got shuffled and it just feels like so much stuff kind of was like here and then kind of wavered um, the Superman and Lois. I felt like it had just such a hype train. And then with the breaks and the stops and the way it just, it kind of kept doing this because the stops really, I think affected the way that show 
works more than anybody else. Um, yeah, and that's something that they really couldn't help. They did have to, you know, uh, stop production because of a COVID nineteen situation. So, uh, so unfortunately, that was a thing that did uh, happen. But, but yeah, I mean, the if you don't have that momentum, uh, it's hard to catch up on that. And I think that's why DC fandom is such a big deal for uh, DC and Warner Brothers. And I'm hoping that Supergirl, like, because it's all done, wrapped filming, that it'll just be a continual. Um, go there won't have any breaks because i think that'll help just keep the energy of the show going and it's so weird just because you know it's september today at this time usually we're prepping to say all the shows are coming back next month but we've had just constant continuation where we really haven't had a time where everything's gone yeah it's, uh it's been weird yeah, I know for uh, Legends of Tomorrow fans, that's that's kind of weird. It is, it's just kind of kind of run into the next season, basically. So that is so uh, strange, but that's uh, the world we live in now. Uh, Andy points out that on DC's website, uh, it says the main event video will stream live on October 16th at 10 a.m. Pacific time and run approximately four hours. Yeah, so... Um, so much shorter than the uh, the first DC fandom. But I agree with you, Tyler, that I think DC should do it every year. And I think it should be uh, something, an annual event, because I, I also agree that it is nice to be able to have that experience with other DC fans all at one time. That that was kind of a special feeling that we were all plugged into what was happening, right. what was going on, and we could all talk about it together. And that was really fun. All right. Well, I think that's uh, all for the news that we have. Uh, so we'll we'll have to keep uh, uh, we'll come back for DC fandom to talk about Supergirl. And I even saw Crypto the Superdog in there. So there's going to be some sort of DC League of Super Pets. So we'll talk about uh, fandom uh, in October after October 16th. So we'll do another episode about DC fandom. Uh, but for now, I guess uh, let's talk about uh, this week's episode of a Supergirl, which was titled Dreamweaver. Here is the official description, quote, Kelly meets Joey, guest star Aiden Stocks, a young orphaned alien boy who is acting out in foster care because he fears there is something wrong with his brother Orlando, guest star Jaleel Swabi, who is incarcerated. Kelly asks Carr to help her investigate, and they stumble upon abuse at the prison. Meanwhile, Nixie, Nixley crashes one of Nia's dreams and asks her for help, unquote. So this uh, episode of Supergirl was a, a big change for Kelly Olsen. She uh, decided at the end of it that she wanted to become the new guardian. So, Tyler, what did you think about uh, uh, Kelly's story and what she was uh, doing investigating this abuse in the foster uh, care system and, and trying to track down what was going on with Orlando? I, I love Kelly's story in this as far as I like that she was doing things as Kelly. I'm still wrestling with the concept of her being guardian, um, you know, because Alex had that whole line at the end about wait till your training starts. And I feel like it kind of diminishes maybe the capabilities of what these superheroes can do if everyone can just be trained up shortly, because um, I like that she was doing stuff as Kelly, like even though she had the, you know, the helmet on and was hacking on the computer. Uh, to get the video game foot or the video the video uh, footage, I really like that she was working as as Kelly. She was putting herself out there as an image, and it's kind of that idea of a person, a tangible person, 
being the the light or the inspiration for people to see someone fighting the system as as themselves in the system, like in the system fighting the system kind of thing. Um, so I really like that she took the uh, on the abuse and you know recognized it and took it upon herself. Uh, my question at the end was, who's now running the house? Because she just kind of like walks off, and the kid walks off. I'm like, oh. Like who, who's the new? Like they didn't show them putting someone new in this house. And I'm like, is that a plot thread or something that's going to develop? Because um, this isn't really spoiler, but like you know how Alex always had the wanted to be a mom kind of thing. Like, right? Is this, is this bring coming back around to that? Um, I don't know. Don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I didn't think about that, but the uh, foster care mother who uh, did. Uh, get taken out, I guess, by social services. She she's gone now, so I don't know if uh, if Kelly's going to fill that role or if somebody else is going to come in. Uh, but it did look like uh, what I, what I liked about this episode with Kelly is that she formed these bonds with these children, um, uh, Joey and Esme, who was the uh, the the cute little girl who uh, was talking about justice. Uh, so she had a lot of thoughts and opinions, and I enjoyed her. Uh, so I and I think we might be seeing more of her so i guess we'll have to uh check that out um but uh, but i but i really liked kelly interacting this is one of the things that i've always wanted for supergirl but they gave it to kelly I, I always wanted supergirl to have a story where she helps some kids and i've been pitching that for years and years and years on supergirl radio and they never did it but at least i got something like this with kelly where she got to actually interact with citizens of National City who needed help. And I'm I'm with you. I thought it was great that we got to see her do that as Kelly. There there's only so much you can do as a as a superhero as Guardian. You can you can pr- you know protect people and shield people and you know save the day, but for something like that where you're taking a, an abusive person out of a foster care system, that's that may be sometimes more important. So I hope that even with Kelly deciding to become a, you know, a vigilante, you know, costume superhero, she's not going to lose that part of herself that interacts with the, the everyday and citizen. I, you know, my thing is, I just feel like she doesn't need to be that. Like, I really think that she's more powerful and stronger by being herself and what she's become in the social circuit than being the costumed here. I feel like you're kind of already padded out that way on the show. I think Kelly being Kelly is much more powerful. Um, and like you were saying, the story of Supergirl, and this is just real quick. I won't go on any kind of tangent. but No, go, go on any tangent you, you feel like you need to. <laughs> when the show first was coming out, my, my co-host and I, we were starting Krypton Report. Uh, we had a whole conversation about before we knew all the details of how the show was going to be. is like, do you do this show as Supergirl? Like, how do you do Supergirl without Superman? Like with the lead in. Do you just make her Supergirl, but make give her like the Superman story where she's the one here? Um, and I think the problem this show has always had a lot of times where they were like, we're doing Supergirl, but we're kind of just doing Superman stories or Superman things with her. And I think like, especially with her being a reporter at CatCo and like, it's like, oh, we're just kind of making her like soft Clark. And even some of the dynamic between last scene and this scene with William is almost a Lois and Clark thing, but in reverse. Yep. Um, and I'll, and you know, through her supporting cast and secondary cast, they've done a lot, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, 
you could have done maybe Kara, like, I don't know. She could have left Catco earlier or like early on or done something and maybe got into like the social services or something else. I don't know. I'm just saying like giving Supergirl more of the identity that's her. Uh, one thing I've always loved about this show is it's the first time they've ever done the crest symbol where they really gave Supergirl her own one to identify with. I love the way they did the gold outline with the blue. So when you see it, like that's the Supergirl one, um, you know, like, like my daughter has a bunch of super shirts. Okay. <laughs> and some of them are pink, you know, because they said that's Supergirl, but then she'll say on like, she'll watch it like, but Supergirl never wears pink daddy. Ah, that's not true. You should point her to the adventures of Supergirl comics by Sterling Gates. He actually, uh, intentionally put the, uh, the pink, uh, colored Supergirl, uh, super suit in that comic so that little girls could see it. So, uh, I'll have to, and, I, you, and I agree uh, that that's, <laughs> that's, it's great, but like I turn on the show or the movie yeah. or whatever, yeah. and you know, that's what they see is the same and which is fine because it's all, cause I tell them like, you know, I have this on it's Superman, but it's also Supergirl too. Um, and she's like, yes, but it's kind of neat. Just kind of like how every actor, but Tom Welling has a Superman symbol. That's slightly different. So you can be like, oh, that's the uh, George Reeves. Right. That's the Brandon Ralph. That's the Henry Cavill symbol. Um, now we have one like that's the Supergirl Melissa symbol. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Uh, yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I wish they had done some different things with Kara uh, in terms of, you know, not making her uh, be a reporter. She's she's been in uh, kind of reporter things in the Sterling Gates run and in the co- in the comics, kind of in the 70s, 80s area. Uh, she worked at a news station, but she was a camera operator. Uh, so so they could have done that. That would have been a little bit different from uh, Clark Kent. So I know I agree with you there. And I we've struggled some on Supergirl Radio about the idea of does everybody need to be a superhero on this show? Uh, because right. it, it's it's now everybody is except for Lena and Lena could put on, you know, the Lexo suit if she wanted to. Right. Uh, so so she and, could be one, too. And that that's kind of like circling back around to Kelly. That's that's my point is not everybody has to be a superhero vigilante out in a costume fighting. Some people are more equipped to do so. Um, and we'll, I got more comments on that. We'll talk about as we get into the show more. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a it's an interesting conversation to be had, especially with the Olsons, uh, because one of the things that I liked about James when he was on the show was and, and this is why I sort of pushed back against him becoming Guardian was because I felt like the the Olsons are supposed to be those. Uh, you know, the regular human everyday man and woman who are, you know, representative of humanity and earth and uh, the reason why the superheroes should fight and save people. Um, and so I always, I always liked that about James and even here in this episode of, uh, 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 about Kelly, that they sort of represented those people who could do great things and save people, but didn't have to have a super suit. Um, right. So th- and, there's and- that line. James's friendship to Clark is also like another example of him being grounded. Right. You know, he ha- it's another touchstone for him to earth, not just Lois, but like his earthly friends who aren't superheroes. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I guess that Car- uh, most of Kara's friends are superheroes and that's a little bit, I guess William is uh, sort of on the outskirts, which is he, nice. He's, he's multiverse doomsday. We all know this. Well, this is, this is true. He was <laughs> no, on uh, 
<laughs> I always joke that. like I'm like maybe they're saving it, and that's how the, <laughs> I'm like that's how the series is going to end. William all of a sudden just Doomsday is out, and it's Supergirl versus Doomsday. Like, <laughs> I I mean I think it'd be awesome. I think we, I, <laughs> I think if we they did that. I swear I'd just be sitting there like <laughs> I would I would go completely silent. Just, you know, it, it it would be a great twist by the end of the season if they did that. Uh, we did have a couple of comments from the chat that I'll get to real quick. Uh, Paula says, Esme is keeping a tight just ho- control in that household. She sure was. She she bossed everybody around in that place. Uh, loved it. Uh, Electra WWF asks, what if Alex and Kelly start running the house? Maybe they do. I don't know. I think it's, uh, I think it's a great, like, thinking that this is the end. And we all have our theories of how Kara's story is going to end. I think this would be a great place to put Kelly and Alex. Yeah. Um, Cause Alex is already in that transition. I mean, we've lost the DEO. Um, they've kind of transitioning out. It'd be a great place for her to get her dream, feel that arc of her wanting to be a mom and serve, you know, people and still stand for something and give her a new kind of uh chapter new adventure in life so yeah that would be great if they had something like that like car at least with catco she has something outside of supergirl so it'd be nice for alex and kelly to have something like that that they can contribute outside of their superheroing uh and while also still uh helping people in the community so i think it's uh it's a it's a possibility we'll we'll see what happens uh that that'd probably be a lot of responsibility though i don't don't know if they could run a a house full of kids while they're doing their superhero stuff and that makes me wonder if she'll continue or if she'll kind of like set it down you know lay down the mantle oh yeah you know what i'm saying and like that could be i know you don't like to talk spoilers yeah no if 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 you know spoilers uh, well you talked about like she's in the upcoming flash Oh yeah, no, we are, yeah we did talk about that news. Yeah. Okay, so about to say you did Sentinel. touch on that. Yeah, yeah. So maybe like she lays down at the end of this, like she lays down Sentinel, but then you know it's kind of that picks it back up to go help Barry kind of thing. Yeah, they could. They you know could, what I'm saying? Know, like that's kind of yeah. like that that arc is like hers. Like okay, there's something so big that I have to return to help out. Kind of. Thing. Yeah, yeah, that could that could be interesting. And uh, one of my first thoughts when I saw Kelly interacting with these uh, these children, uh, Tyler, I don't know if you know about uh, Guardians comic book history at all. Do you know? Little bits, little bits. So, not- uh, so Guardian in the comics has a uh, a group of uh, newsy kids who assist him when he's out doing his Guardian thing called the Newsboys, uh, the Newsboy Legion. And uh, so, uh, so I love Guardian and the, the Newsboy Legion. And since uh, we now have uh, a new Guardian, uh, we joke on Supergirl Radio that she needs a News Gal Legion. And uh, so I think these kids in this house could become her News Gal Legion. They don't have to do anything dangerous. They just have to, you know, ride around on their bikes and you know Here's throw newspapers at people. Here's yeah. To the yeah, they could just be informants. I, I, th- I, I mean, it's right there for the taking. I don't know why, no, <laughs> why I mean, they refuse to and, do it. And the thing is, like, I have to keep reminding myself, like, the show is back, but it's this is what episode nine of yes. twenty some episodes. So we still have the majority of this season to go. Like, it's the house, the the house, the the season's just getting started. It's not coming to the close right now. So there's a lot that. Now that like Kara is back, it's like the show's reinvigorated and really going forward. So, yeah, we're uh, we're only uh, we're not even halfway as of yet, which is nice. We've still got some story to go. So, I don't know. I'm not get, getting my hopes up about the News Gal Legion, but 
man, it's, I mean, it's right there. The, all they have to do is pull the trigger. I mean, it's, it's just right there. Uh, so so uh, I did like uh, what they did with Kelly in this one. I thought she had a really good story arc. I liked her interacting with Kara. She got to go investigate with Kara and she, she was a character on her own. She wasn't just Alex's girlfriend, which I liked. She actually got to do her own thing and have her own story. And uh, that's, that's really important on a show where there's so many characters. All right. So uh, some other things that were happening in this episode, I guess I kind of mentioned Kara uh, a little bit. So uh, Tyler, what did you think about Kara's investigation into the prison system? She met with the warden and uh, she had to figure out what was going on with the, the prisoners and uh, their connection to inner gang. So Tyler, what did you think about Kara's investigation and uh, what they discovered there? Uh, um, I, I liked it. Cause I liked her seeing back into getting involved in something and, getting back into the community and getting back into her work. And then, you know, having that pushback with Andrea that we'll get into, but um, I was surprised. Like when she was talking to the warden, like she didn't use her super hearing to kind of like listen for the heartbeat. Cause he seemed like, uh, no, that, you know, he was saying things and it's kind of like, is he telling the truth? Like, uh, you know, we had that great setup where she heat visions, the coffee cup and then, on the computer and then gets in there. And I liked seeing that angle, like what her superpowers give her for investigating and the prison system and what was going on. Cause I do like that leads back to inner gang um, that hasn't really been touched on. It's one of those Superman metropolis, uh, big villain type, you know, people that we've kind of, uh, Yeah, uh, so uh, they did mention Inner Gang and Bruno Mannheim. Uh, uh, Andy says, I really was expecting Bruno Mannheim to show up with all the mentions. Maybe he will on down the line. Uh, that would be awesome, in my opinion, uh, just because that uh, that we we don't get as many comic book references anymore on the show, which is unfortunate. I feel like un- it was unfortunate. the first Inner Gang mention. I, I this, feel like it's the first Bruno Mannheim, I know for sure. That's I, not true. I'm gonna have to correct you on that. Just because I, I oh post crisis, yes, oh, oh, no. oh. yes, post crisis. Uh, so the the first time I think that I knew of, I tried to look that up today. Uh, was in American Alien, which was the season four premiere. And uh, Lena, uh, Lena talks about uh, uh, Bruno Mannheim and doing that, you know, they were uh, kind of doing that deal to get uh, James uh, cleared of any charges. So uh, there has been a Bruno Mannheim uh, reference before, but we've never seen him. We don't know if he is actually there or if inner gang is just kind of that that bad guy in the background, which it seems like right now they are. Um but yeah, so uh, Claudia does have a question about this. Uh, we learned Inner Gang is trying to build a dirty bomb. Is Inner Gang the big bad for season six B? Do we know why they want that bomb? So Tyler, do you think though, uh, since we have heard of Bruno Mannheim and Inner Gang, do you do you see that becoming a thing later on down the line? I do. I mean, I feel like we're at the end of season six. They knew in go- they knew going in like this is the end. So this is they should pull. Nope, don't pull any punches, kind of things. Um, I think it's going to be a combination of whatever they got going on with Nixley and Bruno Mannheim. Um, Cause I do like a lot of times when the superheroes kind of fight street level villains, even though, you know, inner gangs not always exactly street, but they kind of tow that bar. Um, so I think it would be cool because it's always been one of those things. I've kind of wondered, like there's never talked really about inner gang and 
the whole, you know, with this show more than any, the post-crisis stuff seems like it's been harder to keep track of, of what <laughs> Supergirl's changed, not had, not done or anything compared to like the other shows. Um, because like the Flash, they they talk about like, oh, we're post-crisis like all the time. Like they're like, they'll mention crisis, but some of the other shows have kind of been like, <laughs> um, yeah yeah supergirl in my opinion got hit by and suffered the most consequences from crisis uh and it was so hard especially those first couple of episodes after crisis it was like wait what is happening what is the story now uh because they completely like changed william's backstory and all this stuff changed and it's very very confusing uh, so uh, hopefully if they do move forward with inner gang, it will make uh, sense no matter if we're pre or post crisis. Uh, Andy does say he looked up inner gang on the Airverse wiki and they have said it a lot, uh, said inner gang a lot on earth one Earth 38 and earth prime. So uh, no matter if you are pre or pre pre, uh, pre or post crisis, uh, they have mentioned inner gang uh, several times. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so we did answer that question about uh, inner gang and whether or not it came up before. Uh, let's see. I did see another question somewhere. Uh, Claudia did mention uh, the actor who played the warden wasn't the best actor. Uh, she does ask, is he a Superverse alumni from a movie or another show? That's the only reason I can think of why he got that role. No, I didn't think he was that bad. They're just running I out of actors in Canada that haven't <laughs> already been on these shows. So like, there's so many on the, like, we can't keep reusing the same people for the shows because they'll be like, wasn't that guy on this show as this? Aren't they all connected? We need some, Hey, you on the street, come here, read these lines. Yeah. I think just I read that the, uh, the young actor who played Joey was actually on Arrow as young Connor Hawk, I think, uh, if nice. I remember correctly, seeing that on Twitter. So they're reusing those actors. Uh, and uh, the actor did sound very Canadian. I, I think I heard an oot out there. Uh, so uh, so it is possible they are just uh, digging through those those uh, those actors. Because I mean, that's why you see the same more. actors come up on all the CW shows. Because, I mean, one of our favorite games is watching a CW show. Like, hey, they were on Smallville. They were on Smallville. They were on Supernatural. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, the can the Canadian uh, acting industry needs uh, to be employed. So uh, I'm glad the uh, the Arrowverse and uh, the DC TV shows can provide. Uh, Paula also says, speaking of Arrowverse alumni, the voice of the owl was the same actress that played Sam Arias's mother. Young Joy was Connor Hawk on Arrow. So, yeah. So we did uh, get a return from Betty Buckley as the uh, the owl in this uh, episode. It will definitely uh, be talking about Nixley and Nia. So I guess maybe that's a good segue into that. Um, so we did one see, uh, oh yeah, one, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I just, I do like William at first. He was a character. I was kind of like, eh, eh, but I like what they've done with him. And I do like that. He doesn't know Kara's secret yet or that whole story. Um, I do hope they kind of, if they're going to continue to keep him around and kind of give Kara some work, pressure and problems um with him and especially if i mean you know, if we get into like how andrea is just over the top now like yeah we get just yeah, we can we can get there. I guess since we're talking about Kara and then talking about William, uh, what what kind of shocked me was uh, so Andrea is uh, a kind of writing them for uh, the Super Friends story. She wants to get she wants to get interviews with the Super Friends, and so by the end of the episode, uh, William interviews uh, Supergirl, which is great, but. 
I didn't know that William Day was a TV reporter. I thought he was like a a, a writer. I thought he was like a you know an uh, an uh, editorial person, like a journal a journalist for a newspaper or a magazine. Catco sort of fluctuates between being a newspaper and a magazine. So when I saw when I saw him as a TV reporter, I was like, "What is Catco? I don't understand what they right." Do. And that was that goes back to like in my notes, I wrote down like because she because when Andrea came over, all her thing was about getting clicks, getting clicks, getting traffic, um, building all this hype, and it wasn't really about the whole thing was they weren't hard hitting journalists anymore. Like the news was kind of dropping; it was more of all the other pizzazz, um, just attention, whatever. And now she's talking about being hard journalism. Like we are a news source. And then I'm like, aren't you a magazine, like a monthly magazine? <laughs> um, so because she tells William he'll be writing classifieds and obits. That's a newspaper. And I'm like that. You're not a newspaper. Yeah, they, um, do this, they do this all the time. It's so frustrating. And it, like I worked at a, a small town newspaper as a reporter for a little while and stuff. And I'm just sitting there like you're a magazine. Like you do the big stories. And that was kind of a different angle than being the newspaper report. But then you're you're talking like, yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be Catco Media, but it's kind of one of those things like it was owned by Elcor. It was now it's owned by Andre. And then we had post-crisis and a lot of that stuff kind of just went away. And then here she is talking about we're the number eight. Now we're the number three. And it's like, okay. Um yeah, I don't know. Well, it's just well, it's just it's just weird because it feels like her character went from I don't care about the news to all of a sudden now like I'm obsessed with the news and so Yeah, what what gets me is that um if if you are a you know a media empire like Paula points out, you're you're going to have specific journalists who do the writing. That's going to be their job. They do that. Then you're going to have the TV reporters where they go out and and get interviews and cover the news out in the field. So you're not going <laughs> to normally I mean, if if they were a small town operation like the the newspaper uh, on Superman and Lois, I would understand it. If there were only like two people there, they would be writing the articles and doing the TV reporting. I get that because you you have a small staff. But if you're a Catco Worldwide Media and you uh, you're this big media empire, you're going to have people doing all of that. You don't need to have William do uh, TV reporting and newspaper writing. I don't understand that. So I, I was just it's, laughing about him. I'm doing surprised that he had a full TV. camera and it wasn't one of those where like William's going live with like his like Catco phone hooked to their social media and he's holding. Oh, like, I'm no. live with Supergirl. Like yeah, <laughs> I found her on the side. Like Supergirl, can I get a quote from you? You know. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, Catco Worldwide Media provides the the highest quality of equipment. Uh, Leslie does point out that Catco prints the the National City Tribune, which is true, uh, but it's just nice. very confusing as to what uh, what what they all work for. Is Cara just like? Anything that Andrea needs her to be is Kara, both like writing for the the Tribune. Uh, is she also doing the magazine? Is she sometimes on the news? Like, well, I don't I don't understand what their job description uh, is, but I guess that is. They just uh, create a story, and then Andrea decides where she wants to put it as an outlet. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, is, it Donna- an, is it something for the 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 TV? Or is it something for? Um, was published on the website immediately. Let's put it in the magazine to, you know, it's like whatever they decided to be. 
Yeah, I guess it just uh, depends on the situation. Donna does point out uh, Kat did several TV broadcasts and also Cara's interview with Dreamer was a TV interview. Uh, Yeah, I guess I just I I used to work in news. I used to work in local TV news. And so it's just it's just weird. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we could start a news business together. I think we'd probably do a pretty good job. Uh, But the the idea of like... um, the, the the reporters would have multiple jobs like that is crazy to me because their jobs are so busy anyway. Because you're not just doing you're, you're not just doing that interview on the 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 news you know six o'clock hit and you're done. You're editing packages. You're doing research. You're um, uh, reporting into your you know producers and doing all this stuff. So you it's got like, contacts it's a very at the CIA. Yeah, you, I mean, of course, you, you've got, you know, deep pools to get information. Uh, so it's a it's a it's a lot. So it's just kind of like it's, it's somebody who used to work in local TV news. It's just it's funny to me uh, to see that kind of stuff. Uh, so, yeah. So Andrea, she is really I mean, Catco, good for them, though. They are climbing up the charts. They were number eight last week. They're number three now. So I don't know if next week, if they're going to climb the charts again, Andre is very concerned about where they are on the media. They're hit number two and stop. Track. Ugh. They're, 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 they're going to be right there. Because number one is the Daily Planet. Oh, if you, that's If that's you look true. last week at real quick when they show, like I was like looking, number one's the Daily Planet. Huh? As it should be, I think. And unless unless it was run unless Cat Co was run by Cat Grant, then I would kind of be pulling forward to be the day planet just to stick it to Perry. Um, but yeah, so I think that's uh something to monitor how Cat Co progresses as they continue on. Um, okay, so let's talk about uh one of the employees at Cat Co who fell asleep during her media her her meeting with Andrea. Uh so uh Nia. Uh, met somebody this week that she apparently didn't know, but in last week's cliffhanger ending, she did know Nixley's name, but then in this episode, she didn't know Nixley. So I don't know what is happening there. I think it's it's the editing flub. And it also, it also may just be that she was, I think that was just trying to show what she was having dreams with Nixley in them. So maybe it's kind of a, we don't know when that was taking place. I don't know. You know, sometimes I think like they'll film parts and they're like, oh, we're going to just put this tag this onto this episode because it's all done, you know, and then they don't think about that kind of thing. Yeah, it could have been something where they needed a cliffhanger ending. They didn't have one. And so they just uh, kind of went back and did that. So, yeah, I think it, it definitely could have been uh, like that. So, Tyler, what did you think about uh, getting to see inside of Nia's dreams and uh, her interactions with Nixley? Um. First, I want to say one thing real quick about Nia. Um, the thing about like with Nia's character is she's one of those characters I feel like that they brought in as a side character. They really served a, a purpose in the story. And then they were like, we don't know what to do with her. So she kept kind of getting shuffled to the side. And it's one of those characters that people like, people like but then the writers don't know what to do with. And in some ways you're kind of like, it would probably be better to take the character off the show, but you can't always do that with actors and their schedules. If you want to bring them back. So they kind of try to find something for them to do. And I feel like we're finally getting to a point where Nia's coming back around with actually having a story and something for her to do. Um, Cause I feel like for a while she's just kind of been stagnant. I mean, there was episodes where she didn't do anything, but maybe just show up. And I was kind of like, why is she still here? Um, I'm not saying and, I don't like the character. I just, there's so many shows that, I mean, just real quick, like Arrow, 
everybody loved John Barrowman on Arrow, but there were times where I'm like, they they don't know what to do with him. He's just they just keep bringing him back for no reason. Um, so to say that I like what I thought about with this whole Nia and the dream thing was if you think about it, I, I don't think that Nixley is trapped in the dreams like she says she is, because it always seemed like Nia was having a dream, then Nixley interjected. Like she just popped in and shot herself in. And thinking about how they escaped, she was on the vehicle leaving the Phantom Zone. I think it's something she's doing to just get inside Nia's head to take Nia down or something else. Um, I think the whole her escaping with Nia's help is false. Oh, so you think this is just a cover for her her to do something else? Interesting. That, just, I mean, every time they I mean, presented the dream, you saw, you know, Nia's mom, and everything was good. Then all of a sudden, it was like Nixley was there. As if she yeah. wasn't already there, she had to appear. So right, right. No, it's a that's a good point. That is a really, really good point. Uh, yeah, and I th- I thought it was interesting though that that imps could uh, you know fifth dimensional imps could do that, which it makes sense. I mean, fifth dimensional imps. We we talked about um, uh, Mixes Pitalik uh, a couple of episodes ago on Supergirl Radio, and he's a really powerful character. So uh, Nixley is is very uh, dangerous in what she can do. So uh, I I was a little disappointed. I knew it was going to happen. Happen, but I was disappointed that Nia made the deal with Nixley. I, I figured it's, it would probably happen, but it's it's, it's a dumb decision. <laughs> it felt like I don't know if I missed something like watching it, but it just felt like abrupt. Like all of a sudden she was like, I'll do it. And I was yeah. kind of like, <laughs> okay. I mean, I was I was a little upset that this episode's named Dreamweaver and the song never showed up. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, but I just song. felt like, you know, this episode was oh, Nia's stuff was so much like a pocket of the episode. I, that's kind of like looking at it from a production point of view of knowing like COVID protocol type stuff, like how there's only like two actors and stuff, you know. Um, but it just felt like very like I don't feel like like I don't know like if maybe like the Nia didn't make the deal deal to like the next episode, like like kind of like nixley kind of keeps coercing her kind of like the way nixley kind of was working on car when they were in the phantom zone it just felt very abrupt that she agreed to help her but it seems like the theme of this season or the back half or whatever is reuniting with parents i know last time you talked about with lena's mom and like lena wasn't in this episode and they talked about she was going to find more about her her family um her mom's side of the family so that seems the theme like Kara found her father. Um, now, you know, this Mia's thing has been about her. So I'm wondering if there's going to be something, maybe there's going to be kind of another episode. It's very Faustian with Nixley with John about his daughters or, you know, reuniting with family that you thought you lost or whatever. Um, so we'll see, but it Nia's part in this episode just felt very off. Like, it also felt like they only had like so much footage, so they just kept reusing it um, yeah. to fill time or whatever. So they they did do a good job editing, I will say, uh, just because I know how much work that is. Because uh, I do video editing every day. I'm, I'm that's one of the things that I just I do every day, and I've been doing for a long time. And so the all those you know quick cuts and things like that. I mean, you have to manually manually put all those little. Uh, pieces of video in there and so it takes a very long time so i appreciate the effort that went into reusing those shots uh to to flash back to some things so uh yeah i one of the things i thought was
was kind of foolish on Nia's behalf is that she she obviously knew that the Nixley thing, the deal was happening and she would go back into, I guess, the real world for a lack of a better time outside of the dream realm. And she never mentioned it to anybody. Uh, Brainy well, was off it, at Argo. Like but- one, it all felt like it was one day for her because she went home on sick leave. And if you like look at the clothes that people wear, it's all like in one day, but it's not because we do know we have Kelly at night and with the video and then the next day, but there's just certain parts where it looks the way the Nia stuff is shaped because, you know, Andrea sent her home on yeah. a mental health day, but we didn't see her return to the office the next day. Cause there's like next days, you know, kind of, st- or whatever. Um, so it just kind of feels like maybe, maybe, I mean, I always, you know, it could be a production thing like they rearrange some stuff in the episode, but it kind of felt like, um, Cause she always went to the same place in the same outfit in her dream. And we had not really seen that before uh, with her dream ability. So I don't know. Yeah. I was just disappointed. She didn't mention it to anyone else. Like maybe if she went to Cara and she said, Hey, Cara, there, there's this. See, Paula cleared this, it up for me. Thank you. There's this imp in, uh, uh, in, in, in my dream realm that wants to make a deal with me. Should I take it? Uh, you know, get some, get some, wise counsel uh, when you have to make these kind of decisions. Uh, but yeah, Paula says it's all in one day and then the end is the next day. Uh, so thank you for uh, clearing that out, uh, that up. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I'm a little disappointed. I did like the, uh, the owl though, that we got to see there. I kind of enjoyed that. We have a talking owl on an episode of Supergirl that, <laughs> that, that uh, goofiness made me happy. Uh, but the the owl was actually trying to be um, a source of wisdom for her. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Nia says that owls uh, bring to light what is in the dark, and uh, the and that owls are the symbols of truth. And uh, the owl says uh, wise things like the wise understand by themselves. Fools follow the words of others. And wisdom lies in not seeing things, but in seeing through them. So uh, the owl was trying to guide her in the right place. So I, I guess she did get some wise counsel within the dream realm. Uh, so so I guess uh, I guess that was something that she she did get. Um. So I don't know what the what that's going to look like. I don't know if her mother is going to because she does now because of her deal with Nixie Nixley, uh, she is going to reconnect and reunite with her mother for 24 hours. So I don't know if that happens within the dream realm or if that happens out in the physical world. Um, so that's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, I agree. <laughs> um, and it's just kind of one of the things like. You know, the whole fifth dimension is so interesting. Have you ever heard Grant Morrison like explain how fifth dimension works? Uh, no, but he is he's a wild guy. I've heard him talk about all sorts of like uh, crazy mystical things. So what does he what does he say about it? I, I'm going to sum it up because like I heard him explain it. It was so simple. He said, if you take a piece of paper and you draw a line, a straight line, and that's your okay. time, take your four fingers and put them on the line. That's the fifth dimension. You're interacting with that line at one point, but your fingers are touching four different points of time all at once. And that's how the kind of work is they can interact with multiple things at once. They're just touching it. But to us, it's hitting different points in time. And then he went on to describe like it was about his um, new 52 Superman story and how they were telling it. But I, I thought that was very interesting of just a simplistic way of kind of understanding how in a dimensional space, these, you know, beings, the imps or whatever, 
um, they interact with us, but and how we have to process it. So that's really interesting. I'm, I'm going to have to really consider that. A lot of things that Grant Morrison talks about, I'm, I'm always like, is that true? I'm going to, I'm really, I'm always that. like, are you really <laughs> smart? Or you just make us think that you're really smart. And that's like some of his writing I'm reading. I'm like, I'm like, dude, this is good, but you need like an extra issue to thin this out because some of this stuff is. <sighs> yeah. It's, it's, it's high level. Grant Morrison is very high level. I don't know if that involves, you know, uh, lots of schooling or if he's just, maybe he's making it up. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so he, he does say a lot of, uh, high level intellectual things. Uh, let's see. Uh, Laura says, uh, I think this would have worked if we knew how many times Nia had had this dream getting worn down. She doesn't know how to interpret dreams, but the thing she learned from her mom was to trust Al's. So that could be the case. Maybe she was just tired of dealing with Nixley and just to get rid of her, um, she, she kind of caved into the deal. So that, that could be the case. So I, I don't want, I don't want to, uh, you know, say Nia was, uh, dumb for doing it. I know, I know why she did it. Uh, but I, I was disappointed that she didn't try to fight it a little more, I guess. I agree with Paula's comment about so far Nia has only had, yeah, right here. Uh, has only had visions or dreams in this episode. She's in a realm where she's hoping to find her mother. Where did that come from? I feel like there's missing scenes. That's a really good point. Uh, I, it seems like a, a next step for Nia and her powers uh, to be able to go into a dream realm. But I, I guess she has, uh, we've seen her visions before we saw her uh, uh, precognition with the Catco pink, cougar so we have seen some of those things but for her but for her to physically be in another uh location like she was running through the forest uh that is definitely a step up for um nia's powers all right well i guess we should wrap up our discussion tyler uh were there any other things that you wanted to talk about in regards to the episode before we get into some overall general thoughts no, I think, I mean, we touched on all the main characters um, and kind of where they are and what they're going. I mean, there really wasn't much of John. He just kind of helped facilitate the story. Um, yeah, I, I think we pretty much hit it all. I don't think. So, you know. so, so in that case, um, uh, what did you think about this episode in terms of the quality? You know, w- would you watch it again? Did you like it? Did you not like it? What'd you think? I, I, I liked it because I, like, I, I really like Kelly's storyline in this. I, you know, I said, I'm, I'm still unsure with her being the guardian thing. I, I prefer Kelly being Kelly and doing it as herself. Um, not having to go the vigilante route that so many people are just quick to jump on board with. Um, I like seeing Kara in action. Um, you know, the show has padded out its side characters a lot. And that's, you know, it's nice to see Kara up front doing Supergirl things. And I like seeing her and John in the field together. Yeah, it was nice to see see Supergirl and uh, Martian Manhunter doing that together. And Sorry, I, I didn't 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 mean to interrupt. Nah, it's interesting. Just as a, like a side note, how her heat vision's still blue. Mm-hmm. Just because it felt like post crisis, they changed everyone's heat vision to red. Because like all the Kryptonians on Superman and Lois were like red now, and cars is still blue. That's just a production thing. So. Superman and Lois just kinds of. They they just kind of do whatever they want to do over there on Superman and Lois. Does it make sense? No. Do, do they care? No. My, uh, whole, <laughs> my whole thing with that show, and this is my working theory, is that this show, Superman and Lois, takes place after the events of Supergirl season six. 
that that would make sense if that's the case. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens at the end of Supergirl and see if that's the explanation we get. Because uh, I, I could I could maybe buy that for a dollar, but uh, I don't for think right they'll now, ever really say it. But that's my working theory on just how because think about when the shows were supposed to premiere and the story and stuff. So, and I mean, I do like Car as the Blue Heat Vision. What uh. <laughs> What my friend and I have, have rationalized in our brains is since now going solar flare is such a big deal with the Kryptonians that we think it'd be cool if they did it where it starts red, but then the more intense that you project, it turns to blue. And like, if you're going to go solar flare, it's blue, right? Like real bright blue before it depletes, kind of mixing the two versions together. That that would make sense because isn't blue uh, like the hottest, the hottest heat? Yep. I want to say that. So actually, if, if we're going by that, Supergirl's heat vision is probably a little stronger <laughs> if hers is still blue. I, and that's I'm, what, just, I'm, like, I'm just saying. I mean, exactly. Uh, so before I get to some final thoughts, I'll just uh, answer some questions. Andy says, I, am I lost on something or why is John always wearing the Martian Manhunter suit, but he could still use his powers without being in Martian form? Uh, yeah, that's a budgetary thing. Uh, I think uh, I read one time that um, David Harewood, he loves Martian Manhunter so much that even though they can't make him the Martian, he still wants to honor the character. So that's why he's still in the suit. Uh, without uh, the Martian form. So yeah, a lot of this is just them trying to cut corners because uh, they don't have uh, the the monies for it. Uh, let's see. L- Ram- really bad makeup, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I I'd, I'd rather him, you know, save, save it for the, the, the good CGI when, when he gets a big moment. Uh, L rainbow three says uh, blue is hotter than red. And uh, Lita says white is hottest. So that's good to know. Maybe one one day we'll get some white heat heat vision, and it'll be really crazy. Um, yeah, I thought this episode was good. Um, I really liked Kelly's story in this, and and Kelly was a character when she came on uh, the show initially. She was real cold. Like I, I didn't know, if, like emotionally, she's very cold. She was kind of standoffish because she had that um, dynamic with James that had to be you know repaired, and so I didn't initially take to Kelly. Uh, but with this episode, I, I think Kelly really formally, like I, I'd been kind of warming up to Kelly over the seasons, but this episode really won me over with the Kelly Olsen character, just because I liked getting to see her actually care about people um, for, for, you know, uh, another reason than just, I have to save the day. You know, she actually cared about these kids and she wanted to uh, be in their lives. Hey, Sam. <laughs> oh, we got a hey Tyler from the chat. So, uh, so yeah. So I think I think this episode, if anything, it did a lot uh, to further uh, uh, my appreciation of the uh, Kelly character. So I think that did its job. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for our discussion. But uh, let's go ahead and we'll find out what our listeners had to say about Dreamweaver. So I'll get to some tweets here. At Fractal Inverter said, loved this episode. Great stories for Nia and Kelly while still letting Car shine. Can't wait to see what happens with Esme. What's her powers? No name listed in the cast. Are they hiding a heritage from us? That's a really good uh, question, though. Uh, All the kids in the foster care system or in that foster care house had abilities that had to be dampened by their uh, uh, power dampening wrist things. Uh, So Esme does have some abilities. We don't know what they are yet, but uh, her sassy attitude, I thought was her 
superpower. So mm. I'd, be, I'd be curious to see uh, what she actually physically can do. Uh, at Patty Mello 20 says another good episode. It's really nice to see Kara investigating things for once. Catco is relevant again. And I love that. I can't believe that Kara didn't tell the team about Nixley. Oops. <laughs> Kelly being guardian makes more sense than James ever did. Yeah. Car never actually said, you know what? While I was in the phantom zone, uh, I met this fifth dimensional imp there. I guess maybe she figures Nixley, Nixley is still in the phantom zone. I guess that's why yeah. she hasn't said anything. And and like you said earlier, like she's really holding back from wanting to talk about the experience, you know, talk about what happened in the phantom zone. Um, so I, it's going to come up, but yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I hope they they haven't let that go. Uh, I hope they didn't do one episode of Car dealing with her phantom zone trauma, and then that was it. I hope there's more to that. Uh, Kenny at Cr Kenny Crayley said, "Good episode for Kelly Olson and Supergirl action." Uh, I give it a four out of five. At Women IMRL said, "Dreamer is a fool." All caps. Uh, so tell us what you really think. Uh, so Dreamer did make a tough decision. So we'll see what happens uh, with Nia moving forward. At Dr. Ange 70 says, I am currently betting my life savings that Esme will be adopted by Kelly and Alex by the end of the season. Uh, I think that there's a pretty good uh, chance of that. Uh, what, what do you say to that, Tyler? Do you think uh, that little girl is going to get ad adopted by Alex and Kelly? You know, just sitting here in this conversation, like, I hope that. But at the same time, I like the idea of Kelly like taking over the house, her and Alex, and giving Alex a different beat to her story and letting Alex and her run it together kind of thing. Kelly still works, you know, but Alex is more at the at home because it really changes her who her life has been so much about, for lack of a term, like war, fighting, protecting. And this is a new level of protection for her, a new way of protecting uh, the people she's now caring for children the next generation which she has wanted to be a mom for seasons now um yeah but i mean if they if they just adopt the one child that's cool i mean i'm, I'm fine with that <laughs> i mean but i like the idea of them like we'll take all like bring it bring us all the kids that nobody wants we we got this you know yeah and also turn them into the new scout legion that would make me happy so i, I would be good with all of that uh, and at Anthony Nia says another good episode, lots of screen time for Kara and William is so much better now. Uh, he's firmly in the friend zone, but Andrea is becoming insufferable. Loved seeing dreamer blast an owl into oblivion. That was actually that to me. That was kind of sad. Uh, it was but, sad, uh, but the power use was cool. You know, it, like, was, oh. it was, it was cool. Uh, uh, but to continue on with this tweet, uh, at Anthony Nia says, wish, uh, she would have done that to this terrible actor who was playing the warden, man, people did not like the actor playing the warden. I did not think he was that bad, but other people are, uh, not pleased with his performance. Um, at SL Fricky says, I'm not going to miss Kara's periodic thing of going quote, Hey guys, I'm an alien too. I know what it's like. Okay, I was adopted almost instantly by an upper middle class family and raised human and didn't have to deal with intolerance or the, uh, or the same obstacles, but we're the same, unquote. Uh, yeah, Kara can identify with certain aliens to a degree, uh, but she did, she did have a pretty, 
you know, good when she was adopted because uh, Superman helped facilitate that. Um, so uh, I guess that is uh, what differentiates her from other aliens. But Supergirl can identify with them uh, to a degree. Uh, at Valkyrie88A uh, says, I thought the episode was good. I'm getting tired of the whole Nia doesn't know how to interpret her dreams. The dream could be more blatant and she still ignores it. That's negligence, not misunderstanding. Yeah, I don't know. I think Nia to a, to a certain level, I think she did know, she at least knew what the owls meant. Uh, I think she had an indication that the owls were connected to her mother. So I, I think she knew some of what the dream meant. Um, so uh, so I guess there's that. Uh, at at ALDU said, loved it. The setup for Kelly wanting to be guardian was way better than James's. Hers, I buy it. There's a real motivation behind, uh, behind it rather than a broken camera. This time I'm excited about the guardian storyline and the future dancing kid. Come on, she's getting adopted, right? Was adorable. Uh, yeah, this I thought was a better, uh, it, Kelly's guardian backstory, I think is actually more comic book accurate to, uh, the guardian, at least the Jim Harper, uh, guardian, uh, comic book backstory where, um, uh, she helps, uh, you know, he helps out this like ragtag kids of, you know, these orphans. Um, so that's actually very close to the Jim Harper, uh, guardian, which I think is really interesting. Uh, let's see at DJ Ryder says another solid outing with great character moments. Love seeing a healthy, supportive couple in dancing. And it was a wonderful showcase for Ozzy Tesfaye and the little girl they introduced should absolutely be the child Alex and Kelly adopt. She's adorable. People love Esme. Uh, at Rachel Joy 23 said, uh, asked, did they reuse the rainforest set for Nia's dreamscape? Anyway, I thought this episode was pretty good. Thought the title was more of a reference to the B plot than the A plot, but we got interesting stories for Nia and Kelly. Excited for Guardian and maybe News Gal Legion. Let's hope so, <laughs> Rachel. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The, the dreamscape, the, the dream realm was very similar to the rainforest, uh, but I assume after season three ended they destroyed the rainforest set and built this new thing uh so i don't know i i don't know the uh behind the scenes of that uh and at mark hb pwm said car actually did reporting uh and i see the seeds of a news kid legion in their foster and in, in that foster home also i think that inner gang and the bomb are going to be the looming big bad for the bulk of the season glad the show is back yeah, I think it's uh, very possible that we'll get Inner Gang as a big bad for uh, the uh, the rest of the season. That would be very, very cool. All right, so we do have some emails. So uh, the first one comes from Daryl, who wrote in to share some thoughts about this episode, saying, quote, for an episode title seemingly about Dreamer, she didn't factor into it very much. She certainly had no impact on the episode's plot. Uh, yeah, Daryl, I think she, uh, Nia in this episode, I think is supposed to further the plot of coming episodes. So I, I don't know that she was supposed to necessarily be connected to Kelly's plot, although you could connect them through uh, mothers and children and things like that if you wanted to stretch it out um, and and kind of reach <laughs> for those connections. Uh, but I think Nia for this episode was um, being kind of the connective tissue from this episode to the next episode. Uh, Daryl goes on to say, quote, I realize Cara doesn't want to talk about her time in the Phantom Zone, but she really should have opened up about uh, more. And then Nia might have known about Nixley from the start. Nia woke up at the end of the uh, last episode and said Nixley's name. Yeah, this week has no idea who she is. I just found that confusing. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that. Uh, Daryl also asks, uh, Cara is Catco's star reporter. 
Why do we hear uh, about these articles so much more than we see her creating them? It's ridiculous that Andrea is uh, always threatening the jobs of CatCo employees like something will happen, unquote. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's been good to see Cara actually investigating. I, I wish we could have been seeing this kind of thing uh, the whole time. Uh, cause it's, it's been really neat to see her do that. Uh, and Daryl finishes up with, uh, quote, Kelly has so much value that the writers just won't let her realize pushing her to think her only value will come when she becomes guardian. Kelly makes a real difference in this episode without becoming guardian. Yet at the end, she thinks that becoming guardian is the best way she can make a difference unquote. Uh, yeah, it was kind of hard uh, to really understand the, the leap that Kelly got to that point. Uh, she did all this uh, great work. And then uh, I, I guess maybe she, maybe she took a uh, little Esme's uh, comment about the guardian angel. And she, maybe it made her think uh, about uh, protecting those kids. So I, I guess uh, that's the leap I'm having to take as a viewer, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it could have been, you know, her just making a difference as Kelly. I'm just going to apply this with, I see, you know, in the comments here and here about, uh, you know, Kelly is a social worker from being the clinical psychologist and um, <clears throat> and also about um, Cara writing these articles. I'm just going to say two words. Ready? Post-crisis. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Solved it. it. It all was changed up. We missed it. It was, it was, it was all in the rehistory, recalibration. All this stuff happened. Yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, I, I agree with some of the logic because I was thinking the same thing about, like, Kelly's background. Like, wait, wasn't she a like? And I know just having like training, you can't just go into a job like, okay, I'm gonna do this now. Like, they're like, well, now you have to pass this, do this, take this training. Like, it's not like I can just be like, you know what? I'm gonna change it up. I got a degree <laughs> in something. I'm just gonna go completely down a different path. Well, you can do that at CatCo though. You can be a newspaper um, yeah. writer and then become a TV reporter and on the same day. So you can, if you want to do that, you can do that at CatCo. Uh, Paula uh, also points out that Nia's dream realm self was a direct parallel to Taylor Swift's Out of the Woods music video. And Nia is a Swifty, so my headcanon is that she was vibing to 1989 before she went to sleep. Uh, I would buy that. I think uh, that's that's a good uh, way to, to look at that. It, it is very similar. So I would buy that for a dollar. All right, uh, so our next email comes from, and uh, pardon me if I am mispronouncing this uh, because I think it's a Russian name, so uh, please uh, forgive me if I'm mispronounced, but I think it's either Ilima or Ilim uh, wrote in with some thoughts about uh, Dreamweaver, and since uh, the email was pretty long, I've posted the entirety of this email on supergirlradio.com and you can go there and read the whole thing there. But uh, for the podcast, I'm just going to read some experts and respond to them here. But Ilima uh, uh, or Ilim uh, says, quote, I liked the episode in general. Kara and Kelly's interactions and how they were investigating the case were great. The episode balanced comedic and dramatic moments pretty well, in my opinion. Many people found it hard to believe that the woman at Van Cole Prison uh, didn't notice how Car used her powers, but it was comedic relief, and I'm not nitpicking. Car as Supergirl finally showed all her range and almost all range of her powers. Uh, the show remembered her super hearing, heat vision, flying, etc. There were some moments when Kara could have done better with her abilities, um, but I'm willing to close my eyes on them. For example, when perpetrators became invisible in the car and got away, Kara could have easily heard the car with her super hearing. That's probably true. Uh, she also probably could have used some super speed in some cases, but, uh, you know, I mean, the plot contrivance uh, 
kind of calls for it sometimes that she can't use them. <laughs> uh, but uh, the uh, email goes on to say, quote, I think Esme has a role to play and it's the first major plot, uh, plot line and device uh the child is cute and witty if i may guess her powers maybe they are related to empathy oh maybe maybe that's the case maybe her powers are uh connected to uh kelly in that way she seemed to be very in tune with kelly's emotions at the end of the episode and knew what kelly did to protect children from their abusive caretaker i'm glad that kelly immediately noticed disturbing signs of the abuse it shows off her empathy power as alex put it the episode raised important topics that are frequently overlooked by the system. And uh, the email finishes off with, in your podcast, I heard you say uh, that you didn't care about the ships. But in my humble opinion, you should care about it because it's part of Kara's life. People's uh, dismissiveness in this regard makes people overlook her character's humanity and vulnerability. Her character has always wanted to find love, and she has one. If you pay attention, it's Lena. Depriving her from this is like a punishment to her, and there is nothing empowering in this. I guess it's better to keep her alone than to force any romance, which d wouldn't feel natural. And uh, the email says, cough, William, cough. And if she'd end up alone, uh, then homophobia prevailed yet again. I implore you to consider what I wrote, unquote. Uh, well, I definitely will consider what you wrote because uh, you wrote in and uh, that's what we do here on Supergirl Radio. If you write in, we'll we'll share your thoughts and respond to them. So thank you uh, for taking the time to write in and uh, sharing those thoughts. I agree that I liked the way that the show featured Supergirl in this week's episode and showcased a lot of her powers. It was nice to see that even uh, when Supergirl's not the main character and the main story for the episode, uh, Kara got a lot to do in terms of her abilities. So it was neat to see her get to show those off. Um, I also liked Kelly in this episode and get getting to meet Esme. The foster care storyline did a pretty good job of uh, showing examples of power because that's the theme of the season. Uh, you know, power that was used in a negative way and how Kelly could actually use power for good in the way uh, she uh, utilized her, her super friends and uh, the way she used some of the things that she could do as Kelly. And uh, I, I would be uh, curious if this uh, if this listener is a new listener to Supergirl Radio. And if so, welcome uh, to our little community here at Supergirl Radio. Uh, we have a lot of different people who are with us and uh, they're all very friendly and fun. Uh, I'm only guessing that you might be a new listener because if you had been listening uh, for some time, you would know that my personal ship of preference is Kara and happiness. I find that is the best of all ships uh, because no matter what happens, I will be happy. Uh, so I'm not a fan of shipping in general because I've had very negative experiences with it. And uh, sometimes that involves other fans that have been very unpleasant. Uh, so I do try to stay away from that. But as a podcast, Supergirl Radio tries to do our best to stick what is to, you know, what is presented on the screen so we can fairly judge the story they're telling and what, you know, look at what the show is, is what they're delivering. Uh, Kara is actually my personal favorite character, and I would like nothing more uh, than the show ending with her happy by the uh, the series finale with a, a really great end to the Supergirl story. That's that's I don't care about anything else. I just want Kara uh, to have a great end on the show. Uh, but what that looks like, I don't know yet. We haven't we haven't gotten there. But if her story does end up being with her, you know, being alone without a romantic relationship, I don't think that has to be a bad thing. Uh, happiness isn't always, you know, defined by having a romance in your life. Uh, it could be, you know, reuniting with your family or being around your friends or pursuing um, uh, some goal that you want to achieve. So it, it, it kind of 
depends on what your definition of happiness is, I guess. Uh, and I know Cara probably would love to have love in her life. She had really uh, big feelings for James during season, uh, season one. And she, she loved Monel in season two and was devastated when he had to go away. And when he came back and he was married, that was even <laughs> more devastating. Uh, but, you know, I could actually really see a happy ending that would involve Cara being reunited with Alora and Zorel on Argo. Like that's, that's how I kind of see it going. Uh, but I don't know that for sure. That's that's kind of what I would do. Uh, and it makes me feel better that Melissa uh, seems to, I think she talked in an interview about how she had some input, input on how Kara's story would end. Uh, so I I'm I feel like Kara's ending is in good hands because Melissa has played this character for so long and cares so much about Kara. So I uh, I have good uh, good expectations if Melissa did have some input. So I hope that this explains some of where I'm coming from uh, personally regarding uh, ships in in particular. Uh, I think if done well, romance on television can be great. It can lead to epic storytelling. Uh, but I have only actually seen one TV show do this really well. And uh, that series uh, featured time traveling on a magical island. So uh, <laughs> so no other show has uh, done as well for romances for me, uh, except for law. So I hope uh, that makes sense and uh, brings brings a little more clarity to what we've said on the podcast in the past. All right. Our last email comes from Ermgard, who writes, quote, I was a little bit hesitant to listen to the podcast on Welcome Back, Cara, because a person that is a Supercorp fan was going to be on. Uh, but I was going to give that person the benefit of the doubt, and it was going very well. Your guest started talking about Supercorp, which I had no problem with. And as I know, Morgan and Rebecca do not talk about shipping any couple on the podcast. That is true. Uh, Ermgard says, however, your guest decided to say that the Supergirl show was queer baiting. I have watched Supergirl, uh, from the time it premiered and I think everyone uh, can have their opinion. Uh, but in my opinion, Supergirl has never queer baited on the show. And now I am seeing that Supergirl radio has decided to share links about Supergirl's supposed queer baiting. To be fair, I think we should now have someone on to have their say about why Supergirl is not queer baiting. But I know if you do, that Supergirl Radio and the person will be called homophobic by the toxic Supercorp fandom. I have seen on Twitter and Instagram how toxic the Supercorp fandom can be to those not agreeing with them or if you dare say anything negative about Lena. The actors, crew, and producers can tell you stories. I think your guest should not have let Re Rebecca's mistake of saying Lena and Kara be her uh, be her in to have talked about Supercorp seeing as fantasy ships are not talked about on your podcast. I always enjoy your podcast, but I must say I have misgivings about your guests, and I am sad to say they were realized. Thank you for any response. And uh, P.S. I usually don't care about letting people know this, but I am bi. So an LGBTQ person does not believe that Supergirl is queer baiting, unquote. Well, uh, first off, thank you for writing in and sharing your thoughts, Ermgard. I personally won't be calling you any names, so you don't have to worry about that. Everybody's opinion is welcome here. We talk about ideas and hopefully talk more about ideas than people. So I would encourage everybody when you write in uh, to talk more about the ideas and concepts of the show and, and not you know, talk about other people. Uh, so I would encourage you to do that. Uh, and I would also encourage people not to uh, call you names either, Ermgard, because, uh, you know, you have your opinions to share. Uh, Supergirl Radio aims to be a place for uh, Supergirl fans to share their opinions, even if they are unpopular or if we disagree with them. Sometimes our opinions are un unpopular, especially mine. 
fine. So I totally understand that. Uh, to be frank with you, I really don't want to talk about this, <laughs> this subject uh, because I don't like getting into shipping or fandom drama. Uh, but since you did take the time to write in, I'll offer up a few thoughts about this. So you're right that Morgan and I don't talk about shipping very much and we try our best to avoid it if possible. Uh, the Super Corp and queer baiting conversations came up in our previous episode on Welcome Back Car because of a tweet from one of our listeners uh, wrote in during feedback. So we were just responding to that tweet. And because it was mentioned and because I knew that that, uh, that topic was of something of interest to Quinn, I gave her the opportunity to respond to the tweet. Supergirl has always tried to provide a place where people can talk about what they love about the show. It's why we've had Donna on to talk about the Danvers sisters. It's why Dr. Nicole Green came on to talk about the science aspects of the show. It's why we invite the legal consultants to join us when we have questions about the law within the Supergirl universe, which is a lot of times. <laughs> so, uh, and we, we've had Corey on to talk about the Legion of Superheroes. It's why we had Wendy to come on to teach us about Brainiac 5. Our Supergirl Radio community is a very diverse group of people from different backgrounds and interests with a common love for Supergirl. And Quinn just happens to like Supercorp. And even if I don't uh, personally want Car and Lena to be a romantic couple, I wanted Quinn to be able to have the chance to talk about an aspect of the show that interests her. Uh, I thought Quinn and I had a very civil and productive dialogue about it. She and I <laughs> calmly disagreed about Supercorp and we shared our thoughts on the subject. And I really appreciate that because it is hard to find people to uh, civilly and respectfully disagree with each other. So I really appreciated that about my conversation with Quinn. And I don't personally have a problem with people shipping as long as, you know, they treat other people with, you know, the same respect uh, that they would want other people to give to them. And Quinn did that for me. So, uh, so I thought it was, a, it was a good, respectful conversation. Personally, I have had extremely extremely negative experiences with the Supercorp side of the Supergirl uh, fandom. In fact, uh, some of them called me a psychopath uh, not too long ago because they didn't like my thoughts on uh, young Lena watching her mom die. And the time that that happened, I was actually upset about it the entire weekend. I probably shouldn't admit that. I probably should not tell those people that uh, it upset me a great deal. And that, per you know, I should be above personal attacks uh, as as old and as mature as I am, but those things still hurt my feelings. So I've had really negative experiences with that kind of uh, behavior, but uh, because, uh, you know, I don't want to judge everyone who thinks that same way based on those people. Uh, I, you know, I take everybody, you know, as, as they come. So uh, Quinn has not treated me like that, even though she is a Supercorp fan. So I was not going to bring that baggage onto Quinn. Uh, Quinn was polite and kind as we live stream. She even offered me after it was over, she offered me a chance to find the Supergirl art and her background so that I could support the artist if I chose to do so. And I, actually really enjoy building those bridges with other fans and i'm glad that we were able to have quinn on the podcast even though i'm not a supercorp shipper but i really loved having quinn on the podcast so i would actually invite quinn back on to talk about comics with us because i know quinn is really into reading supergirl comics so we'll definitely have to have her back and as far as the issue of queer baiting, I know it's a topic of a discussion among fans and how the show portrays Car and Lena's friendship. Uh, there are two different viewpoints on this. Uh, the two different viewpoints are that all of this is maybe just in the eye of the beholder. What you what you see is what you think, or maybe the people um, you know creating the show are intentionally trying to make it appear as if Car and Lena have romantic feelings for each other just to keep LGBTQ fans watching. 
Uh, I can only speak from my point of view that I, I personally uh, and just honestly get kind of frustrated by the fact that there's this idea out there that women can't just be close friends without anything sexual going on, which is uh, something I actually brought up with Quinn in our conversation about how I would personally just rather see a, a strong female friendship on the show. Uh, and I, I, I can't assume the motives of the people creating the show to say one way or the other what they're doing or if they're intentionally baiting anyone. All I know is that the showrunners and Melissa Benoist have maintained that Cara and Lena are just best friends. And that's what I'm going to go with when reviewing the episodes. And if that changes, we'll discuss it. But as of right now, that's the way the people in charge and uh, the lead actress of the show said that they are playing it. Uh, if others see more in Cara and Lena's interactions and want to engage in shipping, if they want to create art, write fanfic and uh, find other creative outlets around the Supercorp ship. Good for them. I think that's great. We all have things about the show that we like and that we want to engage with. So I always encourage people to like what they like and find positivity in their own ways. So I don't have any problem with that. Uh, as far as including links about the queer baiting topic in the show notes of the podcast episode, that's something I do for every episode of Supergirl Radio. That is nothing new. Uh, that is not something uh, I did any differently for that episode. I treat those links like they're footnotes in a book. If, if things are referenced in the conversation we have on the podcast, I make a list of the URLs to list out in case a listener would like more information. Uh, that's all I was doing with that. Uh, we had talked about that issue and Quinn was nice enough to actually send me those links, which is nice because then I don't have to go around digging, <laughs> digging around to find them. So Quinn sent me direct links so I could just add them in. Um, so that's no, nothing different that I did for uh, that episode than I do for any other episode of Supergirl Radio. So that's just kind of uh, normal operating procedure. So uh, just to close all this out, uh, I don't see us here at Supergirl Radio doing an episode about the queer baiting topic because it's something outside of the show and more directly related to the fandom and shippery side of things. And we actually kind of try to stay stay out of that as much as possible and just kind of stay in our little Supergirl Radio uh, community bubble if we, if we can. Uh, we stick to reviewing the episodes and talking about stories and characters. And this topic in particular, uh, I think, seems to divide people. And at Supergirl Radio, we're more interested in bringing people together. So, uh, but having said all that, thank you, Armguard, for writing in to share your perspective on this. And I also want to thank Quinn for being on the podcast with me last week uh, to share her perspective on this issue. So I know that was a lot. I uh, just wanted to make sure I hit all of those uh, points that were uh, sent in as feedback. So it was a lot. Uh, so I just wanted to get those things. So if you have any thoughts, let us know. But uh, there are some issues I think are more divisive uh, than others. And uh, we we just we try to keep it a positive, fun place here at Supergirl Radio. All right. Well, I think that's all for our uh, feedback. So, uh, uh, Tyler, are you interested in maybe uh, making some snap judgments with me? Because uh, I think... Uh, we're, was, we're, we should we should do that. that All right. Intense feedback. That was intense feedback. I had I had a lot of points I had to cover. So thank you for being patient with me and letting me I do was that. Like, I'm like, just don't talk, Tyler. Just let her keep talking. Sometimes <laughs> I, I want to join in and talk. I'm like, nope, she's got this. Well, but before we get to snap judgments, though, if you do have if you do have any thoughts, feel free to feel free to share them. All I was going to say is like, you know, much like you said, I think on shows like we don't always have to have romantic relationships between characters. Sometimes I like to show, I like to see the representation of close friends, two females who are best friends or two males who are just best friends and showing that there are other kinds of loves. There's sisterly love, brotherly love, uh, you know, brothers in arms. 
these stories often get overlooked and pushed aside to make the romantic stories because they feel that they're stronger. But I think um, I said to you before, like once before, like frozen was a great story about sisterly love. Uh, the whole TV show of supernatural went for 15 years. It was about brotherly love, you know? <laughs> um, and I just, you know, so my whole thing is, you know, you don't, it's nice to even have characters like, um, earlier it said like I didn't like the whole Cara William thing much either, but I like the idea of Cara and William as friends that are like they care about each other, they work together, but they're not a relationship. He's not a love interest, and I don't feel I feel like now post crisis uh, where we are now, I don't feel like that's really a thing they're doing. That's not a thing, but I like William being this friend because we often don't create healthy relationships in shows for males and females that aren't built on a romantic desire at all. It's, you know, um, it's nice to see that people are friends that you care about somebody and it doesn't have to be more than that. Like I can just love you as like the sister from another mother thing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I just, I just think that we don't just have to jump to that, but people, if they want to ship characters, whatever, I'm still shipping Barry and Patty from season two of the flash. Cause <laughs> I, I actually, thought they, I actually liked them too. If I, if I thought the honest. actors had way much better chemistry <laughs> than, you know, Barry and Iris, but you know, that's this comic story and everything, but um, you know, it's all in good fun. Like you, you've pointed out before, like at the same time that you're taking what they're giving you, you know, sometimes we can always say, well, I would do it this way or I would, I want this. But, you know, you're trying to look at objectively of what the show is, what they've done, what um, and the and the pieces where they might go. And it's all I mean, at the end of the day, it's just people writing shows. And, you know, you have a writing staff that turns over. And even then, like you can listen to producers talk about when they change writing staff, stuff falls through the cracks. Things are written. Um, a great thing I listened to was an interview with Robert Singer about how they started every couple of years shifting writers for supernatural and how some things they had forgotten that these writers who grew up with the show were bringing back around. And I think sometimes you develop characters or ideas that one writer who's writing an episode might have that. And then the next writer who's does the next episode or whatever, doesn't pick up on that or the, the show, whatever doesn't feel that out. And they just kind of keep going. And you gotta remember the show is, uh, the actors, the writers, the producers, all kind of putting things together. And if something's not, we're going to do this, it could get lost. So, yeah, no, I, I think those, those are really good points. Uh, I know I, I bring up Playing House all the time, but uh, Playing House was a TV show. It was a sitcom. It was a comedy, uh, a half hour comedy on USA. And it was made by two best friends in real life, uh, these two ladies. And they're super funny and they're super funny together. And uh, they're, they're uh, I think it was the last episode they did uh, in season three, the last episode. Um, and this was kind of personal to me because I'm a breast cancer survivor. But uh, in the show, uh, Jessica St. Clair, in real life, the actress had gone through breast cancer treatment. And so there was a storyline. They turned her character into somebody who was going through breast cancer. And um, there there was a, an episode where they basically, you know, uh, I, I think one of them said to the other, like, I'm glad we can still go on, you know, adventure together or whatever and that like broke me because i you know i had these moments with some of my really really good close female friends where they came and like you know stayed with me on the weekends and helped me out and you know cooked for me sometimes or just helped me when i couldn't do things and like that was like really powerful to me and so i think that we don't see that stuff nearly as much and i think they could do a better job 
with Kara and Lena in that regard, because, uh, you know, so many people do ship them romantically, but I think they could, if they wanted to make that such a really strong friendship. And it's just something that, you know, I, I don't personally see very often on TV. You see, you see romances all the time. Right, on TV, exactly. for, for me, I don't see the friendship, uh, extended enough. It, and I, I agree. Um, yeah, I, but there's, there's storylines that they've done in across these shows especially one that came up this year in Superman Lois that hit my family really hard. Um, that was serious that I loved and my wife loved was the whole uh, Lois and the miscarriage thing. Oh yeah. Uh, my wife, my wife used to do my podcast with me, but she's busy. But when that episode happened, she came back on because um, my wife and I've been through multiple miscarriages mm. and um, it's always something that has bothered and stayed with us. A lot of people would then, have their opinions and kind of like, it's no big deal. And I really loved how they did it in the show. And um, they took it seriously. That was something that was great for us. Um, just seeing that type of uh, storyline for a husband wife, because, you know, not to go too far, but like one thing I loved about that show was making Superman, the domestic dad. Yeah. Um, Cause it just so much parallels with uh, things have gone in my life in the past year. Um. So, you know, that whole storyline was great and I love that. And I am I heard you talk about this show before that you brought up and I it's actually on my list to check out. I just don't oh, story time. It, um House is so good. You'll actually love it because it's actually really funny. Uh, so yeah, definitely check it out. But I'm glad you brought up Superman and Lois in that regard because that's a that's a a, a love of a, a husband and a wife, but also, you know, parents and a child. Um, so you do have uh, that different kind of example of love. And so that's really uh, powerful because, you know, you don't see that addressed as much. I, I you personally also don't see the miscarriage angle, how it affects yeah. the, the dad, the, the yeah. father oh. you know, person. Um, so I felt like they were really doing that in a healthy way. So. Yeah, and that that humanizes Clark. It makes him more like us than just Superman going around, you know, flying and saving the day. He's dealing with emotional things just like us. And so I think that's 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 what these characters can really do is like help us identify and work through our own things um, just like that. So I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, you didn't have to, so I really appreciate. No, you I just it's it's something important. I think that it, um, I've always talked about. Like it's funny to me that when I started watching super Superman as a character has gone through in my life. Like when I started watching Smallville, I was in high school and I watched that show through high school, college, after college, getting <laughs> engaged. And then the show ends. Um, like when I graduate college and my wife and I get married a year later. Wow. Um, and that's when I got the Superman tattoo done and everything. So, Oh, it was I, always, I guess uh, uh, show show people uh, your your tattoo, and then yeah. uh, Tyler was also showing me uh, his it's Kryptonian. My, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's my wife's name and a message to her in Kryptonian on my arm. Um, that's that's so cool. So you know that that show was kind of like the things that Superman was going through, Clark, whatever. And that show was kind of like where my life was. And then now I have two kids. They're not teenagers, but I have two kids, and I'm a dad. And now. Superman's back as dad mm. and a husband. And I'm like, I connect on him with a whole new way. So, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Cause at, at the end of uh, Smallville, uh, Lois and <laughs> Lois and Clark have a wedding. So that must've been wild to like, it, it literally followed your, your life. Path. It's, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> like just, so, 
that's that's really cool. Well, that's that's very special as a you know as Superman fan uh, for you to have those connections with the character. So that's that's really awesome. Well, I guess since we've talked about some really heavy stuff, let's let's make some yeah. really funny, goofy snap judgments and uh, have a good time to wrap this up. So sounds wonderful. I'll, I will play a video and it will explain the instructions and we'll make some uh, snap judgments. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. All right. So our first snap judgment uh, comes from at Mark HBPWM. Uh, so, uh, Titans or Doom Patrol? If you had to pick uh, between those two, uh, what Titans. would you? Ah, oh, you you said that very quickly. <laughs> uh, I would probably also say uh, Titans. I think I enjoy Titans more, but Doom Patrol is actually very, very good. Doom Patrol is fun because it's like a show that I have no expectations. I don't have as much of a control of the character. Um, Titans, I have more care about. It's a little bit more entertaining at times. Um, but Superboy and Crypto are on Titans. So Yeah. And Crypto uh, and Crypto's like real crypto. He's not just like a dog. He's like a white dog who has heat vision, which I appreciate. I mean, I mean Crypto melted mine and my wife's heart in a previous episode. I won't go any farther than that. Oh, but, uh, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Devastating. So yeah. Yeah, no, uh, crypto, crypto is a delight on Titans. All right, so the next one from at Mark HBPWM. Uh, this one has three choices. So normally we do two choices. But uh, so if you were to pick uh, pork, vegetarian ravioli, or steak, which one would you pick? Vegetarian ravioli. Oh, interesting. Do you do you know what's in a vegetarian ravioli? What's, what's usually Sometimes in Sometimes it's spinach. Um, okay. The ones that I eat is spinach usually. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I would go for. Do, do they have mushrooms? Usually? Some of them I've seen. I've seen mushrooms. Some of them are just cheese. Um, but I always go for the spinach ravioli. If it doesn't have mushrooms, uh, the vegetarian ravioli. But if it does, uh, I'm gonna go steak. <laughs> I guess I'll go the complete opposite way. Uh, okay, so we have some doozies from our girl Anna uh, Tyler. Just to prefer, uh, prepare you for Anna snap judgments. Uh, Anna usually sends in some really. Uh, down the rabbit hole, dark, sometimes tragic snap judgments. Everyone loves them because uh, they, they go pretty far. All right. So the first one is, what would you rather have happened to you? Uh, so these are the options. So the first one is, you're imprisoned for 10 years after accidentally posting a copyrighted song on a podcast and you are forced at gunpoint to steal uranium in a work release program. So that's your first one. Or would you rather be attacked repeatedly by an owl just because someone's mother doesn't like you? So which one would you pick, Tyler? Uh, the owl, because moms always like me. So oh, okay. I'm, yeah, I think I'm safe. I'm I'm pretty good. But no, uh, honestly, even with, <laughs> even if moms didn't like me, uh, the owl, because I, I I don't know, it'd just be something I could at least fight back and having to like carry uranium. But so yeah. Uh, the first one sounds really traumatic, but also the second one reminds me of uh, the Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Birds, when the uh, the birds uh, like peck out the eyeballs. I, I think of the old lady of Jessica Tandy. Um, 
So I think I'm, maybe I'm going to go in prison for 10 years uh, because it, at least at least I'll be uh, away from an owl. Uh, this is an owl. One owl. I can oh. bite an owl. Oh. It doesn't say a lot of owls. It says oh, that's bite true. an owl. So one owl comes at me, <laughs> head mask. Like, so you know. you're, you're, you're fighting for your life. Is, is right. What okay. All right. That's, that's fair. Uh, I think it's more probably likely that I would be uh, imprisoned for accidentally posting a copyrighted song in a podcast. Let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> That's only if they catch you. I know, I know a lot of podcasts that I'm like, how do you get away with using that music? Oh, you know, I'm like, and I'm like, okay, probably one, they haven't caught you yet. And two, you're not making money off your podcast yet. Yes. So, they, yes. so they don't want you, so. Yeah, so that's a that's the risk you take, I guess. All right, so this is the second snap judgment from Anna. Uh, what would have been a more tragic ending? So this is the first option. Right after Kelly saves the alien children from the foster lady, Esme collapses in her arms and slowly disappears in a symbol by the writers that you can never truly ever save someone. So that's your first option. <laughs> or... The bomb Orlando was forced to help get supply, uh, supplies for ends up blowing up and killing his brother. And Orlando drowns in grief and sorrow for the rest of his life in prison. Uh, so which one of that is the more tragic ending? I'd say the second one because it feels more possible. It feels more yeah. feasible. Like I feel like you could, as a writer, you could have got there with this episode. I feel like the Esme one would have been so abrupt that you would have been like, oh my gosh, it's horrible. Then you would have been like, there was no inclination of anything, you know? Yeah. Um, I think with Orlando, it would have, you, you built both sides of the characters and with where things had happened, that could have happened. Um, and you could have logically got there and it would have been more traumatic. Yeah. I'm going to go with the, uh, the bomb with Orlando because Orlando was, uh, you know, just doing something that he was being forced to do. But if he ended up killing his own brother, he would, he would really carry that grief around. Uh, yeah. And the uh, people in the chat, uh, <laughs> Paula says, Anna went after Esme. <laughs> Nicole says, how dare you, Anna? Uh, so, so, yeah. So, uh, lots of, uh, reactions from the chat about Anna's snap. Okay. So the last one, all right, this is, this is, this is a big one. What is most likely the moral of this episode? If you are going to commit crimes against prisoners, you need to be smarter about it. That's your first choice. Or all owls are evil and need to be executed by dreamer. Well, that's your second one, I guess. These There's thir three options. So the first one, if you're going to commit crimes against prisoners, you need to be smarter about it. Second one, all owls are evil and need to be executed by dreamer. Or three, that you cannot be a hero without a suit and we should just all become vigilantes. <laughs> what do you think, Tyler, was the moral of this episode, given Anna's uh, choices here? Based on this episode, I'd say the first one. Oh, okay. If you're going to commit crimes against prisoners, you need to be smarter about it. That is definitely, <laughs> definitely true. Using the framing of this episode and how the warden didn't seem like he was very smart because he's on the phone with somebody like they're going to catch us. <laughs> <laughs> and he's being bossed around by the henchman. Uh, and the fact that William was able to find his bank accounts and stuff. Oh, and yeah. And he was buying expenses. I'm sorry. If I'm like getting a bunch <laughs> of money, I'm still going to live the same and just kind of stash it somewhere and then retire. <laughs> and then be a, when no one's looking at me anymore, that's when I'm going to spend it all. Um, so if I'm using the, the context of the episode, I'm going to go with the first one. 
Yeah, that's 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 probably a, a good choice. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the last one that you cannot be a hero without a suit. We should just all become uh, vigilantes. I think that's that's what I got ahead of this. Uh, so I think that's uh, that's going to be uh, my choice for that one. I saw a. Uh, a comment from Rachel here that I wanted to address. Uh, she says we need Anna on the podcast to answer for herself. Stay tuned, Rachel. That's all I'm saying. Stay tuned. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for our snap judgments. Thank you for playing along with this silly game that we do here, Tyler, and uh, for providing your answers. And uh, we'll do this outro and we'll come back and wrap up the live stream. No judgments on your snap judgments. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode on the Supergirl season six uh, episode titled a dream weaver. Thank you, uh, Tyler, for joining me this week and for uh, sharing your thoughts about the episode with me. Uh, how can our listeners and viewers uh, find you and the Krypton report on the internet? Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. It was a, uh, it was awesome to get the invitation to come on and do this. I was greatly uh, appreciated and inspired and I was excited uh, I was giddy as a school child. Um, <laughs> we'll have to do it again sometime. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, uh, like I said before, I do a Krypton Report podcast. We review anything super related. Uh, we do, you know, Superman Lois just wraps. We finished that, but we do Supergirl, comics, you know, everything. So there's always so much to talk about. So basically, at Krypton Report, anywhere online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, we started doing uh, I officially started doing unboxing videos because uh, those seem to be something kids love. So my kids watch that. So I said, you know what? We're just going to do that. So I have my kids now opening oh, that's uh, so fun. <laughs> my DC figures as videos. And <laughs> the, the best one, and I'm just saying this, is my daughter who's four. I got my wife bought me the large dark side figure. Oh, the one of him sitting on the throne? It's uh, the one of him standing from the history lesson in Justice League. Oh. Oh, that's even better. And my daughter opened it and I tweeted out, of course. And uh, from a previous conversation, I actually had Ray Porter, the actor who played Dark Side, comment on her video. Uh, and that was just really cool because that's she. Funny. So my four year old loves Dark Side. And, um, <laughs> so the, my kids love the villains. My son loves Doomsday. And I'm just like, but uh, yeah, so we, we, we started doing that on YouTube and some other things, but yeah, just look for Krypton Report anywhere. You'll find me. I'm usually the one that's responding to all the social media stuff. So, and then there's links to my personal stuff there too. So that's very cool. Well, you know, there's no shame in liking the villains. Some of my favorite characters are villains. So uh, I appreciate that. All right. Well, I think uh, let's, uh, it's time to get to some uh, DCTV podcast plugs and some Supergirl radio plugs. We got some of those in there. Uh, so we'll play a video and we'll be right back. If you would like to contact Supergirl radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live 
and wired. DC TV Podcast also has a Tee Public store, so if you are in need of new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the Tee Public store link at the top of the page. Supergirl Radio, Superman and Lois Radio, The Flash Podcast, and Legends of Tomorrow Podcast, Black Lightning Podcast, Bad Woman Podcast 2, and Titans and Doom Patrol Podcast just for you, Justice League Dark Podcast, Green Lantern Podcast, Star Girl Podcast, Strange Adventures Podcast, and finally my favorite on Bunch DC TV After Dark, where you're allowed to say fuck. You can say that on DC TV After Dark. Uh, it is that kind of podcast. Uh, and uh, speaking of our uh, Supergirl Radio, I guess we weren't talking about our Supergirl Radio Patreon, but now I'm going to talk about our Supergirl Radio uh, Patreon uh, supporters and the Patreon itself. Uh, we'd like to thank our legion of super sponsors for supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon. Uh, Michael, Sam, Anne-Marie, Grout, Yvonne, Quinn, Jessica, Nicola, Leslie, Susan, Abby, Ermgard, Miriam, Cherie, Donna, Nicole, Lizeth, Deb, and Zee Hung Xiao, and our new patron, our new Patreon supporter, Hannah. So uh, thank you all for all of those uh, uh, ways that you support the podcast. If you would like to become a Supergirl Radio patron, you can go to patreon.com slash supergirlradio. Uh, this is a way to get some extra Supergirl Radio. You'll get your, your regular dose of uh, free Supergirl Radio episodes uh, every week. Uh, but the Patreon is just a little bit extra. You get a little behind-the-scenes stuff. Sometimes Morgan and I will talk about our trips. Sometimes you get a, a, a little uh, lab cat appearance. Uh, sometimes I'll give you some tutorials about some things that I do with the podcast. Uh, so it's just a little bonus material there. So uh, we have four uh, monthly levels that you can contribute to. So if you're interested in that, go to patreon.com slash Supergirl Radio. Uh, we also have our flat Supergirl contest that we're still doing. So you can go to supergirlradio.com and download our flat Supergirl image. Uh, just download her, print her out. She's real pretty. She's very heroic with her pose. Uh, just cut her out. Once you print her out, cut her out, and put her on like a popsicle stick or a pen or a pencil just to give her something to you know stand up on. And uh, just go out and take a creative picture with flat Supergirl. I may take her to Dragon Con this weekend. We'll see what shenanigans she gets up to there. Uh, but once you take your picture, uh, post it to social media. Uh, what uh, your platform of choice uh, but just make sure to tag us at Supergirl Radio and use the hashtag hashtag Supergirl Adventures and uh, we're going to be doing this contest until the uh, series finale of Supergirl so you, you've got some time you've got 10 more episodes to contribute uh, but have some fun with it we'll uh, do a little giveaway uh, to the winner of the best picture that we choose uh, so that'll be really fun to see more pictures from Flat Supergirl she's been all over the place Flat Supergirl so it's good to see where she has been hanging out. Well, if you want to uh, follow up with me, you can catch me on Instagram at the Derby Kid. I'm also on YouTube, youtube.com slash duckmilkprod, where I do uh, live streams, uh, usually on Sundays at 4 p.m. Eastern, reading through the uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, top critic reviews of Batman v Superman. I've been kind of hit and miss this month because I've been doing a lot of traveling, but uh, just check the channel and you'll see that when the next one is scheduled. Uh, and I am also going to be at Dragon Con this weekend which is actually happening i'm so excited about it i guess i should start with uh uh talking about uh the first panel i'm going to be doing which is on saturday september 4th at 8 30 p.m it's called superman battle royale of media supermen 
Uh, this is going to be talking about things like who has the best costume, who has the best Superman hair with the S curl. Those are the real big questions. So we're going to answer those questions at this panel. So if you're going to be at Dragon Con, uh, hit it up Saturday, September 4th at 8.30 p.m. in the Marriott Rooms, uh, M302 and 303. Uh, come hang out with us. A uh, friend of the podcast, Michael Bailey, is going to be on that uh, panel with me, and that is going to be a good time. Uh, I'm also going to be on a Supergirl panel called Supergirl Final Flight, which is happening Monday, September 6th at 10 a.m. in the same room, actually, Marriott M302 and 3. Uh, so if you're going to be at Dragon Con, you want to talk about some Supergirl, uh, come join us. So that should be a good time. I'm going to be recording all of these panels. So in case you can't uh, make it to Atlanta for Dragon Con, uh, you're still going to be with me uh, via audio and maybe video if I feel like doing it uh, that way. <laughs> so, uh, so you'll still be able to listen to them regardless. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until I'm still, uh, but until next time, I am still Rebecca Johnson. That is a person that I still am uh, because that's how I introduced myself at the beginning of the episode. But I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And remember, quote, power can bring out the best in some people and the worst in others. the CW are just trying to win the time slot war with Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Oh, oh no. Yeah. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Supergirl.